This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's Program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Kroc School's dedicated community fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Coco. I am Scott Lewis, the CEO and editor-in-chief at Voice of San Diego, and I'm joined, as always, by managing editor Andrew Keats. Scott, what's up, pal? And fellow managing editor Andrea Lopez Villafaña. Hello, Lopez. Hola, ¿cómo estás? Muy bien, aquí estamos. Coming up on the show this week, loyal Voice of San Diego podcast listeners are among the most informed people on earth about St. Louis's big legal victory over the NFL. And now it has inspired a similar lawsuit in San Diego, but that will be harder to shake loose a big settlement here than there, and we'll explain why. We've got an update about the 101 Ash Street saga. The high rise and the deals connected to it have plagued the city of San Diego for years now, or at least the Halberstadt, of course, has explained and investigated as much as anyone and we have a couple of updates. We just wanted to just kind of set the scene for where we are with that and why it matters. And finally, a vicious dispute between SDSU and local labor leaders has gone public. It is dramatic. It is fire. We've got the details for you. We'll explain why that matters as well. That's all coming up. Stay with us. Okay, before we get into that nerdery, we're going to get into some hipster stuff. This was good. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a dad. But as a dad, I was walking through the vast expanse of park near my house recently, and there was this gathering and some just more interesting music than I might have expected in the middle of that vast grass. (laughs) And uh, it was catchy, and it was interesting, and it turned out to be a band called Tulengua, uh-huh. yeah. and we have featured them on our site. Andrea, tell me well, about I want to interfere here just to say yeah. that was not the precipitating event for the feature that was written. No. That was, a, that was happenstance. Cause, Unrelated. Uh, it, it, to think that it it was the germ began with, with your encounter 
would make the whole thing seem much less interesting. That's that's true. Okay. So, but it, maybe, it is it is a uh, you know maybe we should start over. A nice happens. No, it's okay. okay. It's okay. I just want the world to know that uh, I was just that you encountered something interesting, but the 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 wheels were already in motion. Look, there is very there are very few moments where I encounter something in culture that's interesting right. to young people. Yeah. And I do it maybe earlier than them. Like that never happened. I don't know if it's ever happened, frankly. (laughs) So, so when I saw the story, I was like, my God, I know that. I'm basically friends with them. You did. You walked into the office. You're like, I think I saw them. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, no, I don't know. And then it sounded like it was that. Well, to their credit, I just want to make sure that, that no one out there thinks that you were the assigning editor, no, because it just <laughs> Fair would enough. bury them in the dustbin of uncool of the world of the uncool, and I, I just don't, I just don't no. think it's fair to their career. Fair, fair enough. No, I, I had no role. In fact, I, I, I noticed two things. One is they were saying very intense things, mm-hmm. and two, it was catchy, okay. and so I was quite excited. So. Tell us about Tulangua. Yeah. So actually, I've known about them since when I worked at City Beat. I think we um, often wrote about them or whatever shows they were at. But I never really, you know, sat down and like listened to their music. I knew it was really interesting. Um, so, you know, a writer, freelancer, Roberto Camacho, uh, he, he talked about this group. And, you know, they're really interesting. They're binational, bilingual. Their music is like... I don't know how to describe it. It's a mix of all kinds of things like hip hop and um, alternative rock and psychedelic sounds. And it's really interesting. But I think the thing that stands out to me, at least, is that they touch on a lot of like social issues, um, immigration and just the what it's like living in a binational area and living on both sides of the border. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a really cool group. And I guess they're trying something new, which I don't entirely understand. And I think it gives Andy certain feelings. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they they're looking for this uh, sort of Web three avenue with like mm-hmm. a, a blockchain inspired crowdsourcing model, yeah. basically. Which uh, those are words you said. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I'm, I'm, my my point of reference to mark me as a nearing forty white dude is, is <laughs> that David Bowie had a, had a similar idea for for Bowie bonds at one point. This yeah. was prior to the existence of the blockchain, but uh, they, they have a, a similar concept that they'd like to explore. Yeah, the idea, they're going to raise money, essentially, and all those words mean they're trying to get money. They want to get money up front from people who uh-huh. would buy bonds from them uh-huh. in, that would entitle them to some future Membership. claim to yeah. their to, equity. To equity yeah. Yeah. in the band. And the group came together. I mean, this group, the Lengua, came together at a time when – you know, there there was a lot going on. Like, I think um, Donald Trump was running and, you know, there's like all this negative, you know, news and, and negative things about immigrants and our Latino community. So they, they just wanted to really showcase like who Latinos were, what it's like to live in a binational region. And yeah, it's really interesting music. I love right. it. Well, here is a sample of the band that I discover. <laughs> White picket fence and freedom for all people. Unless you're illegal, then no dice, chico. Escucha tu lengua. Música que grita, la belleza es diversa, la verdad no se limita. Take the chance to speak the native tongue when you reply. There's so much more to learn when you try. I'm living in the land of the free, the home of the cage. We're keeping men in jail cells as a business and trade. Free men with minds locked up, keep their guns cocked up. All right, a few weeks ago, we discussed the monster legal settlement that the city and county of St. Louis collected from the NFL and former 
St. Louis Rams owner, current L.A. Rams owner, Stan Kroenke, $790 million, $275 million of it going to the lawyers who came up with the legal theory and worked it for and on behalf of St. Louis. That gargantuan settlement has now inspired former city attorney Mike Aguirre and his deputy, Maria Severson, to do a similar lawsuit here. And I cannot tell you how many people have asked me, like, wow, like this is great, right? This is really interesting. And as though I haven't talked about it and thrown cold water <laughs> on San Diego's own ability to do this, but we're going to do this one more time, Andy. Mm-hmm. Let's go. I'll say, though, like... um, I'm not really into this kind of stuff, but I see it like on Instagram all the time. And this is kind of like horoscopes for Auntie, but like manifesting, <laughs> you know, like manifesting things. Like I think I told you, I was like, I feel like we manifested this yeah. from the podcast. Absolutely. I, my mom is staying with me right now and she is is up on this story. Was yeah. asking me about it. this is this is this is a story that is broken through. I, I mean, it's beautiful, right? Like yeah. we want everybody wants to take a chunk out of the NFL. The NFL is very successful. It's like, remember all the doom and gloom about how it was going over the last few years that I participated in, I understand, it was wrong. It is a (laughs) incredibly successful product and company, and it now has embraced gambling, which will make it even more successful. And it is, it's just incredible. And it it shakes down these cities, and the feeling of, joy that a lot of us got that St. Louis took almost a billion dollars from them because of what how they treated the people of St. Louis was just overwhelming and 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 now the just the concept that we might enjoy that I think I can understand why that's gotten people excited even people who who hate the legal entity of the city of San Diego would like them to win would like well it's, it isn't them in this case and we can get into that yeah but, they're actually defendants in this yes case. they are they are defendants So, all right, let's explain. Do you mind? Yeah. Okay. So the beauty of St. Louis's lawsuit was that it came up with this legal theory that the NFL had made what was basically a de facto contract with cities across the nation. That it had said, after it had some trouble, after a team had moved away from Oakland, that it would no longer let itself make these decisions willy-nilly. It put in place relocation guidelines for how a city could keep its NFL team. and that Or it, how a team could move. move. Right. The idea being that it would no longer just be like 32 guys in a room deciding that there would be a, a rubric for doing this. And that it, it, the city of St. Louis made the clear point that this wasn't just an NFL policy that it became a de facto contract with cities because they went to Congress and argued that they don't need to be treated as a monopoly that needs to be broken up because they have made these decisions and, and they, they've made this contract with cities and it, it allows for a free exchange, a free competitive exchange, and, and won't just be a monopoly taking advantage of all of these places. Now, of course, it's a monopoly, and of course, it takes advantage of all these cities, but it, <laughs> it, this was the legal framework that they had put in place to avoid that. Now, St. Louis made the case that we spent millions and millions and millions of dollars based on that assumption that this yeah. was a contract, that we could follow these relocation guidelines, and it became clear to us 
that in fact you lied and had no interest in keeping the city of St. Louis with an NFL team called the Rams and that we wasted all of this money. And in fact, you should give us all of the money that the Rams made by moving to LA, like how much more valuable their team is, and the relocation fee that they paid to the rest of the of the league, which was like $4 billion. And so the NFL was like, no, that's not true. This wasn't a contract we made with cities. And then a judge said, I think it was a contract you made with cities, and I'm going to let St. Louis start to look through all of your books and prove that it was, and prove that you had no intention of keeping a team in St. Louis. And when they did that, the NFL owners were like, whoa, I don't like that because we have a lot of secret information, and I don't want to spend all this time and money dealing with you, so we'll give you $790 million instead and leave us alone. And the city of St. Louis at that point was more or less legally obligated to take that settlement offer. Mm-hmm. It was it was such a financial windfall that the the potential benefit of holding out and combing through those books, digging up whatever dirt you found in the process, and potentially getting a, a judgment later for $4 billion wasn't worth the risk that you might lose in the cross pr- process and walk away from $790 million. Yeah, a, a gambling concept that I have never learned. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you walk away while like, you're oh. yes. <laughs> They don't want us to know something. Yeah. Like, I want to know what they don't want us to know. Yeah, oh, yeah no, <laughs> no I, exactly. I, I, desperately. <laughs> like, I care about it so much more than I care about the people of <laughs> yeah. St. Louis having $790 million. <laughs> I don't care about the money. <laughs> yeah. That said, all of us were very thrilled on behalf and for the people of St. Louis, who are going to get this and have taken Chunk out. Now, we talked several weeks ago about why San Diego probably can't enjoy this sort of accountability measure as well. And that's because in 2004, when the city wanted to keep the Chargers just a few more years and, and clean up their lease with them, they agreed in a new lease with the Chargers that they would never sue the NFL or the Chargers for moving. Just as clear as possible, they wrote, we will never sue the Chargers of the NFL. If they decide to move. If they decide to move. Classic San Diego. Real real crummy legal clause, that one. (laughs) Make it a little vague, at least. Leave a little room for... Yes. The Chargers always held this up to the rest of the league. Like, see, look at us. We're not like St. Louis because we saw this coming and we got these dopes. Yeah, and the rest of the league was like, well, yeah, we we can't all operate in San Diego. (laughs) We got these dopes to agree never to sue us, so you should let us move because they're never going to sue us, okay? Now, that's the status that we had until last week. Now, last week, Mike Aguirre, former city attorney, who made a career suing big entities like this and getting a little chunk of the settlement, Mm -hmm. He decides and who was never especially concerned with the city of San Diego's legal liability (laughs) or, or, you know, what sort of right, what sort of risks that was that were posed. Well, now, to be clear, he became city attorney right after they made this deal. Yeah, he didn't write this deal. Yeah. yeah. So he so I I had I, I called him and I'm like, so you're suing. Now, he he he's so inspired by the the St. Louis argument that they came up with. That he's like, that's brilliant. We can do it. And and what, you know, again, like talk about like betting. Like this is a very easy bet, right? The very minimal chance he has of collecting $275 million is worth it. <laughs> that's yes. that's yeah. a lot. So he 
he's just so inspired by this argument. And so I call him though, and I'm like, what do you, how do you get around the fact that we agreed never to sue <laughs> the NFL and the Chargers? And his argument was, well, this was an agreement that the NFL made about its relocation guidelines with cities in general. And we, as taxpayers, are third-party beneficiaries of that agreement. And regardless of what the city of San Diego as a corporate entity did or didn't do, that's separate, and we can sue, as taxpayers, the NFL. And so the the question arises, like, well, what about the city? And he has made the city a defendant in the suit. So he's basically saying, like, you illegally... This agreement you made was was done wrong, wrongfully. Right, and that we deserve. So it brings up the question, like, let's say they did in the wild world get a settlement like this. Where mm-hmm. would the money go? I don't know. Maybe like some trust, like Chargers Apology Trust or something. <laughs> but that would be interesting. So that's where that is. Yeah. And since the city is a defendant, it makes the, the statement that Todd Gloria and Mara Elliott have offered on this a little bit curious to me. It's a little bit interesting where they, they basically think that this is not a winning lawsuit, but they welcome it, and yet they're defendants. Yeah, I, I don't know how this all shakes out, but I do know that just like what the next topic we're going to talk about, Aguirre has a way of continuing these things. And it could... He, like, to be clear, he is not a crank. No, he, 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 he made a lot of money before becoming city attorney doing this sort of thing. Yeah. So uh, we're, we'll watch. Again, that is that is the hurdle that they agreed never is, to sue. Yeah. Importantly, <laughs> that is the distinction between us and St. Louis. Yeah. And I guess now we get to find out whether that distinction holds up, whether it matters. Now, this I will say this. The NFL may not have wanted St. Louis lawyers going through their stuff. They do not, <laughs> under any circumstance, want Mike Geary going through their stuff. They, that <laughs> the man has no chill. He's not gonna. He's not going to be like super laid back about whatever he finds yeah. in there. So if he does get a ruling that he can go through their stuff, when then get your uh, get cool. your wish list for parks ready in San Diego because we're getting some money. NFL lawyers, Google Aguirre. Fire Yuma. (laughs) I see a lot of folks sometimes uh, making the case or wondering why the 101 Ash Street scandal matters. So let me just say something real quickly. I think that part of why it matters is that there's a lot of city money tied up or potentially tied up in making this building work for the purposes that they tried to lease to own it, which was to move employees into it, right? So this building across the street from the city of San Diego was leased to own, and now it can't be inhabited as as far as workers go. And so the big question is, how much are we going to have to spend to either unload it or to make it so that people can work there, right? And we're talking tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars in the end. Like you could, you're talking about like the whole public library department worth of money, right? That's how much we're talking about. And it looks like they made the decision to get into this based on the advice of a man who is now acknowledging that he got paid $9.4 million from the people who were trying to get the city to lease to own the building 
and that he had a contract with them to share both the profits if it worked and the losses if it didn't. Okay, that's I think the most condensed version of this scandal I can say. And now I, I, we just wanted to do a quick like scene setting for where we're, we're we are with it. And so where we are with it is that there's kind of two things going on. One is the city of San Diego is involved in various legal issues and and lawsuits to get out of the deal. One of the lawsuits is against the city and against the landlords from Mike Aguirre. And the other is the city's own lawsuits against uh, this broker, Jason Hughes, we just talked about, saying that they were fraudulently led into this deal. In his defense is, no, I told you, guys. I, told you I was going to get paid. Now, he never said how much, and he never said like that he had a contract to share both the profits and the losses. Nor is there any claim made by anyone that he like filed required legal documents that attested to, to yeah. how much he was getting paid, by whom, when. Yeah, there's no Which claim exists. that he those, did what that, was the, what is a, what is required. Yeah, those are official forms that exist, and like everyone who works in government knows about them. They're not like an obscure thing. Like, oh, what was what was that thing yeah. that we might need to fill out? I don't know. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Put yeah, in an no. email. <laughs> yeah, and, and no one is out there being like, no, he did file the very no. commonly understood required. The forms. only <laughs> thing he says is that I sent a letter yeah. saying I'm maybe going to try to get paid. Yeah. Popped his head in the door and was like, yeah, I'm getting paid, by the way. And then I gotta, I mean, and, I gotta go. and the, yeah. the mayor was like, cool. Yeah. Do- oh, dope. Dope. Yeah. Deuces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So where we are now is that these lawsuits have gotten to the point where, just like we were talking about with the NFL, there's discovery happening and there's depositions being required. And there are people who are avoiding or uh, delaying their depositions, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's just an interesting moment because at the same time there's criminal investigations. The district attorney's office raided that broker's office and has hinted that she's thinking about conspiracy and fraud charges with regard to how he treated the city when yes. when he was advising it. And so we're just and, I, and it appears that those criminal investigations have been informed by things that have been shaken out over the course of the civil lawsuit that has been going on much longer than that. Right. And the investigative reporting that has sort of been uh, conducted along the way. Exactly. So that is the situation we're at right now. Thursday morning, Judge uh, Joel Walfile heard the attorneys argue over this. He uh, ordered one of the lobbyists for the landlords uh, to sit for a deposition. So there's just a lot of this sort of dramatic wrangling about sitting down for depositions and making these things happen. It it gives the feeling that we're heading toward a climax with this story. Well, sort but much like what we said with the uh the NFL situation is that like the promise of bad things coming out over the course of discovery can be quite motivating to people who don't like that idea. And so a settlement hanging over the the proceedings here could you know, save a lot of people from uncomfortable facts, whether legally problematic or politically problematic or just inconvenient mm-hmm. facts coming out. If you can stave off giving a deposition, turning over servers, documents, whatever else, until a settlement can happen, you might never have to say those things. Yeah. So 
that's the situation we're in right now is, is will there be some kind of resolution? The city would obviously love to get out of this deal without having to spend more money. Can, is that possible? Will the city have to pay money to this taxpayer group that alleges it went into this fraudulently? Will Hughes or somebody else have to give back all these fees that they collected or these profits that they collected? That's all what's in the balance. I think uh, let's watch for some updates over the coming weeks. All right, check out all of our reporting on the 101 Ash Street saga at vosd.org slash 101 Ash. There's a great story in there uh, from Lisa. Uh, I think it was in January or December about what we learned in 2021 from that whole saga and how it. the city basically hopes that there was a criminal violation or at least a legal violation so that it can somehow unravel all of the mess that it's in. Andrea, I have to thank you. <laughs> For what? <laughs> For my you, greatness. <laughs> you brought to us the word chisme. Yeah, it's like really popular, it's I a, think. And, and chismosa, like yeah. chismosa. chismosa. Mm-hmm. I, we should have a podcast, Chismosa San Diego something, maybe. Remember when, we, when you were first introduced to the word shade? <laughs> <laughs> what happened with sort shade? Sort of. Yeah, you drove that one into the ground. Now nobody now says you, it because I ruined it. You're working on a new victim. You think that's what I'm doing? That it, I that, don't think you can help yourself. I don't think you have any restraint. Okay. Well, I hope not to because this is a special one. So Chisme, I think the simplest translation is gossip, but it's better than gossip, yeah, right? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it just doesn't translate well to gossip. Like I think gossip comes off as like super negative, but Chisme is like, oh, I got some juicy details to yeah, share. Yeah, right? Like yeah. it's not necessarily negative. It's just like, wow, like, yeah. that, that's good. I want <laughs> to hear good that. stuff. <laughs> now, when, when I turned, uh, when we turned the politics report in last week, you said, guys, this is fire, fire cheese, man. Yeah, it was. That's a that was maybe. But I get a lot. Of, I get some compliments. That was a good one. I'm happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> so that politics report was about uh, this back and forth that w- I was surprised about. <laughs> yeah, now that that I'll I'll get on board. I was certainly surprised. <laughs> the between San Diego State University and local labor leaders. Not all of them, of course, as we're reminded, labor is not a monolithic block, mm-hmm. but there are several labor unions and coalitions of labor unions who are mad at SDSU. It got a tip that the city had been delaying its approval of the sale of 2.1 acres of land and related rights of way around the Mission Valley 166 acres that um, San Diego State bought from the city last year, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this was stated in a a letter from lawyers representing San Diego State to the city that was quite clear that there was a a dispute happening, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't wouldn't call it a sharply worded letter. No. It it said, like, if you don't do this, we're going to not be able to do the development that we promised here. Yeah. But it's still, after reading it, I was like, oh, this is interesting. But but I, I didn't particularly think that there was something especially dramatic happening. Right. So I was I was like, well, maybe Andy would be interested in this because it's land use and it's right words like rights of way. You're the only one who really deals in those 
kinds of things, like <laughs> a vacation of a rights of way. I, I hadn't seen that one before. So oh, that's how I that's how I speak over dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I didn't think much of it, but I did poke a little bit at why was this being held up? Why wasn't this? So now basically the simple answer was just, well, there's, you know, the city needed to go through some issues. There's utilities under this little road. There's, you know, just some things that couldn't go in the original sale. And so they needed to spend more time on this. It had come up in August to, to get approval at the city's land use and housing committee to sell it to the, to the San Diego state. Mm-hmm. And they pulled it off. And then somebody told me that they pulled it off because labor, a lot of labor unions are mad at San Diego state and they, they don't want the city to go forward with any further approvals for their development in Mission Valley. So I was like, well, okay, that's interesting. That indicates both A, that there's a conflict and journalists love to check out conflicts, mm-hmm. but also it indicated that the city was just following the lead of labor, which was an interesting development, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I poked at this a little bit more and I ended up calling Bridget Browning, the new secretary treasurer, executive secretary treasurer of the Labor Council in San Diego. And man, she had some <laughs> things to say. She basically said that the... the in character for Bridget Browning. Yes. She typically... She, she's never been shy. We've had her on the podcast. Uh, she's very candid and fun to listen to. And she basically said that she had gone along with several labor leaders when, when SDSU wanted to pass this Measure G and get this land and build a stadium in SDSU West and that Adela De La Torre, the, the president of SDSU, had said, yes, we'll, we'll keep the workers who worked at the stadium, we'll keep them union, we'll, we'll make sure all these deals are union, we'll make sure all these construction efforts are union, we'll make sure that the hotel is union, all those things you got. Mm-hmm. And and Bridget was like, this is this has not happened. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the the workers at the stadium have not gotten their jobs back. There uh, and and she said a lot of co- colorful language about how you couldn't trust SDSU anymore. Uh, she I pointed out that they had made a deal with the carpenters union, and they're like, yeah. And Bridget's like, that's not worth toilet paper. And relevant here is that the carpenters are not part of either building trades or the San Diego Labor's Council that she is the leader of. Right. Uh, now, um, SDSU, you might imagine, has a different point of view. The whole stadium's being built with labor union, they point out, labor union work. Uh, they they point out all of these other things that they've done to support uh, workers. They uh, they say, look, we're going to, you just need to tell us who these workers were at the stadium. We'll make sure they get jobs in the new stadium. Those will be union jobs, all those things. And then I called Jack McGrory, who's, this is his deal. So Jack McGrory was a trustee of, San, of California State University. And he, uh, you know, he's the architect of this whole thing, right? And he, he, he also had some things to say, right? Uh, <laughs> He accused the city of being beholden to labor, that this was economic extortion, that he wasn't going to go, he would be willing to do all kinds of things, but he's, but no way is he going to um, not allow students to work in the stadium uh, to, you know, help pay off their, their student 
tuition and stuff like that. And, and, and he's just, it just became like a, a, an exchange I haven't seen in a while of, of, uh, this isn't the first like labor discrepancy that we've reported on and to some degree had to litigate. And one reason that is often difficult is because people very rarely say exactly what they mean in those sorts of disputes. There's a lot of to be sure caveats at the beginning and end of whatever they say. Uh, and you have to sort of use a flashlight to to wind your way through what the what's really people are what people are really disagreeing over. Yeah. That is not the case here. Everyone has been quite upfront about what they want and what they dislike about the other side of the party. Well, that's why I was like, this is fire cheese me because I was reading it and it just felt like, you know, I was given the inside look and, you know, I was going through it, like kind of going through their arguments. And yeah, they were very candid with you. Yeah. Yeah. So one of uh, Browning's, so one of the key news points is, was this literally being held up because of labor? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Bridget Browning said, quote, the city feels uncomfortable moving forward with this situation. I've had lots of conversations with the city about the bad faith at SDSU. It seems like the city would prefer everyone gets along and it just gets worked out. So there you go. It's pretty straight. And then uh, McGrory said, uh, we're doing a union hotel. I don't understand what their problem is. Nobody in, in CSU history has offered a union hotel. I've taken a lot of flack from Long Beach on that. Another like interesting little nugget. like Cal State Long Beach, that is. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, where the, the headquarters of Cal State's yeah. system is. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, but I wanted to make sure this worked. He said, quote, if the Labor Council owns the city council, fine. If you don't want this to go forward, fine. We'll just stop all the housing units, all the parks, just for a bunch of crap from the unions. It's economic extortion. I mean, fire wow. cheese me. Yeah. See. So now one, my understanding is that this parcel, though small, is essential. Yes. Both because there are utilities under un, un, under it and also that it's, it's basically like a, a major uh, ingress and egress point for the the new stadium. Yeah, they need to get it done. They need they must they must have this. You can't just be like, all right, it's just two acres. Let's figure out a new way to to, to make Go this deal happen. It. But the mayor's response, maybe you're getting to this, but the mayor's response about essentially was this being held up by the unions? Was is this dispute the reason that this sale, which was to some degree a, a fait accompli, why it hasn't happened yet? And he said that we're legally obligated to go through with this sale. And if that's the case, if, it, if they are legally obligated to go through the sale, and this is like a old Filner logic, if they're legally obligated to, do it, obligated to do it, then there actually is no leverage here. San Diego State is entitled to that property if it's a legal obligation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so how much negotiating can happen around something if there is no discretion? How much can you use your political leverage on something that the city must do? So is this a bluff? Now, I, now one question is, are they really legally obligated to do it? Or was that an overstatement? I don't know. But the, that sort of seems to be the, the, the relevant question here. If you must sell that piece of land, if push comes to shove, this is going to go to court and the judge is going to come in and say, you already agreed to this sale. If the utilities issues have been worked out, it's time to transfer that piece of property and for money to change hands. Then this is a lot of interesting argument, but it's not going to amount to any changes, right? So this is, let, let, let me 
poke at what you just said about Filner. So the, this is an inside sort of insight we've we've had for some time, right? Yeah. That when he was when Mayor Filner was mayor, he was asked to sign some agreements that had been already set in motion regarding hotels or whatever. I don't remember. It's like what. releasing TMD funds. Yeah, that's right. Releasing marketing funds for the mm-hmm. city to be marketed in whatever New York. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, no. And they're like, well, yes. (laughs) It's already been agreed to, and it's part of the law. And he's like, well, then why do I have to sign something that's already done? Like, what's the point of my signing? And it was a really interesting point where he's like, I should get leverage. I I have leverage. If you need my signature, then I have power. Then I have power. So- this is interesting because I think the only thing wrong with what you just said is that there's a little bit of a chronology problem. I think that over these last few months, the city has basically been like, whoa, there is a dispute between labor and SDSU. And why don't you guys figure this out? We'd love to not be part of and it. And we'll just sit back and, and figure it. But by sitting back, they were taking a side. Yeah. yeah. And I think that when I finally pressed the mayor, I said, like, are you going to hold this up? Until they make a deal with labor. Which one way to respond to that is, yeah. Yeah, exactly. One way to respond to that is yes. Yeah. And the other way to respond to it is no. And I remember Friday night wondering which one they would do. And then Friday night they sent it in. I was doing something for my kid's softball league. And you got it. And we got it into into the story. Mm -hmm. And it was the latter that they said, no, we're not going to hold this up. We're contractually obligated to process the sale. It's our hope that SDSU works out a deal with labor, all that stuff. So that was like an interesting, like another part of the cheese made was like, what are they going to do? And they decided to say like, okay, we're going to let this go forward. But yes, I don't, I, I don't know that they feel like it's, it's, really as obligated as possible. I think that what they're saying is that, yes, we're legally obligated, but we could probably delay for a little longer. Yeah. And in the meantime, so earlier uh, this week, labor leaders, including Bridget Browning, Carol Kim, uh, I believe uh, was Lorena Gonzalez there? Yeah, Lorena Gonzalez opened it. We have a clip from this. This was Bridget Browning at this press conference at City Hall talking about why she's so mad about this and especially about President uh, De La Torre at San Diego State. Quality service. She told me personally that my stadium workers would be protected and I didn't need to worry about them. We would have never, ever agreed to support the ballot measure if I knew they were going to be thrown out on the street as if they had no value at all. It's completely unacceptable. She told us... Yeah, they're fired up. And this is... this. Is, apparently, I've heard from people since then that this is just gnarly that this is not getting better. It's hopefully there's a deal coming together, but this has gotten, and especially with the public airing of things has gotten much worse. Well, and legal leverage, if, you know, so to my point about the, if this is a contractual obligation, then what, what can you really do about it? Legal leverage isn't the only type of leverage. Clearly they think that they have some political leverage here and going public and talking about broken promises and talking about uh, what this means for the workers that are, that are, uh, allegedly not being taken care of will matter in some other way. You know, you, you can have intangible, yeah. uh, you know, uh, leverage as well. 
it sounds like this is really interesting to me. One of the biggest fights is is about these workers who used to work at Qualcomm Stadium mm-hmm. or whatever it was at the last iteration. <laughs> so many names. And then and they, you know, obviously that stadium disappeared and and the part of that group is what they want. They were unionized to be in the new stadium. Now, what what's interesting is apparently like there's some really good jobs in there. Like if you're a at what called a, a beer tender at one of these nice spots, you can walk home with like $400 in tips or whatever. And as Bridget said, that's for some of my members, that's a difference between feeding their kids or not. That's right. just a big uh, chunk. And so they want to know exactly where these spots are. Now, the on the university side, they're like, yes, we'll protect some of those workers. We can't tell you where they're going to be. We're, it's a small stadium. We, we're, we're not even open yet. Right. Um, but what we want to protect is that in some of these kitchens and other places that there's also jobs for students who are working their way through college. Now, Bridget's like, we can work alongside students, but you can't give students these jobs that we had. And that appears to be like the most, whether it's small or not, it seems like the most passionate dispute that they have on both sides. Yeah. You go to VA, you go to VA house though, and you get the, you know, nachos at an Aztecs game. Right. You, you are often served by a student. Yeah. And it's nice. I mean, you know, it's an easy application process. Right. And, and it's nice being a student, being able to work on campus and, you know, like I worked on campus at a restaurant, so it was nice and I didn't have a car. So, I mean, it's obviously a great opportunity to offer students these jobs. Yeah. I, I Etsy, the uh, stagehands union, right. Which is in a long running dispute with, uh, Petco Park and and Live Nation, you know they they have unionized protected jobs at Sports Arena, but they don't at Petco Park for Live Nation concerts and Chula Vista Amphitheater. Uh, they're involved in this as well. They were hoping to to be protected at this new for uh, events at this new stadium and haven't been so far. Mm-hmm. They say so. Yeah. So SDSU West, a little bit of a mess at the moment. Uh, obviously, this they've been moving so fast on getting the stadium up, and they were moving forward on affordable housing development. And, you know, Bridget sort of alludes to this in some of those comments that you that you read or that we went through here, but, like, it's worth going back to 2018. Labor's support for SDSU West was not a small thing. No. I mean, that was a— Do you remember that night when McGrory and the labor unions posted the tweet that they were at dinner or yes. whatever? A picture of them at dinner, and at that moment, we were like, "Oh, yeah. this is this game's over." Exactly. It was that was not a small thing. That was uh, a big deal electorally, and it, it it sort of just it may have already gone the way that Soccer City, the alternative uh, proposal for what to do with that land, that might have been dead in the water anyway. But certainly, that that concluded that fight. And made it much, much likelier that SDSU West was going to pass. Because another possible outcome was that both of them would fail. Mm-hmm. And and with labor on board, it became clear that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, labor was one of the first of the... There was a, a lot of other supporters of SDSU West, but labor was one of the first that created this like cascade of this coalition to come together. And by the end, it was everyone. Yeah. And but that, labor was not at the end of the, of the line. They were at the beginning. And they walked and everything. So yeah, the big moment... And uh, yeah, you make a deal like that and, and it, it, they're going to find leverage points, whether it's this sale or others. Mm-hmm. If they don't make a deal soon, it's going to be haunting them. Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast recorded in the Voice of San Diego podcast studio in San Diego. We've got a cool new product at Voice. We will text you the news 
And just to be clear, this is managed by Megan Wood, the most responsible person you can give such precious notifications to. Trust me on that. You'll get exclusive info and updates on our biggest stories, all in quick and easy text messages. You can also ask us questions and give us story tips and other great features. Sign up now at bosd.org slash text. That's bosd.org slash text. I'm Scott Lewis, the CEO and editor-in-chief at Voice of San Diego. Andrew Keats and Andrea Lopez Villafana are our managing editors. Nate John is our producer and Adam Greenfield is our wonderful technician. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.